a man hears an audible voice from God, a demon makes itself known via New Age practices, and a story of God's infinite love and grace, all on this week's Spirit Answers podcast. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, so you have an incredible uh, encounter story with God's presence. Uh, but before we get to that part of the story, um, there's a bit, a little bit of a lead up uh, from what I understand and, and kind of outlines your relationship with God. Isn't that right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So like Alex said, my name is Ryan. Um, I'm going to be kind of reading off some notes on my computer here just to kind of stay on track. But yeah, so I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, that was my experience growing up. Church was a regular part of my life. Uh, my parents are amazing. They were really faithful in, in raising me and my my siblings, um, just in an environment filled with scripture, God, the gospel, etc. Um, so I'm I'm really thankful for just the faithfulness of God um, and allowing me to be brought up in that kind of environment and culture. Um, and I was I was also homeschooled first through twelfth grade. Um, this was kind of another reason that my life was so saturated by uh, evangelical Christianity. Um, so most, if not all of the curriculum that I was in was Christian based. A lot of my friends were also homeschooled um, and were Christians. And a lot of us went to the same church. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of my, my world growing up was, you know, church on Sunday mornings, Awana, youth groups, Sunday night services. Um, and I kind of knew, knew nothing different. Uh, really than than Christianity and and if anyone would have would have asked me kind of as I was growing up if I was a Christian I I definitely would have responded yes mostly because it was like what else really was there to be so that was kind of the context that I grew up in I was kind of just surrounded by just evangelical Christian culture um, and around age eleven or twelve I started to find and consume pornography on the internet. And I think I think this was when I really started to to actually seriously uh, and intensely like actually wrestle with, whoa, like, am I actually saved? Like, why am I struggling with this? Uh, Christians don't do this stuff. So this was kind of a tension point for me for the first time where it wasn't, you know, I was surrounded by everything being so easy for Christians. And um, and then when I encountered, you know, kind of this face to face with sin and, and realizing, Oh, maybe, maybe I, I might not know Jesus. It seems like this isn't something that Christians do. And so, uh, so for the longest time, almost every night I would cry literally, uh, asking God to save me. Um, and every night I felt like I was always met by silence. This is extremely difficult for me. Um, and then kind of fast forwarding a little bit, kind of continuing to wrestle with these questions. And, uh, when I was 14, me and my family were attending our church's uh, annual family camp retreat. Um, and there was a speaker that weekend and kind of through, through his words that weekend, I, I was once again, more than anything, just terrified that I didn't know Jesus and that I wasn't actually saved. Um, so more out of a, out of a, a fear of hell and, and, and damnation, um, I, I turned to Jesus once again and, and asked him, you know, please make me new, save me, change me from the inside out. And, 
And for whatever reason, that weekend, I, I felt like he actually answered that prayer. Uh, and from that moment on, I, I kind of just tried to cling to that feeling of that moment and uh, kind of walk in the knowledge that I had been saved. Um, but there was still so much of of that wrestling and struggling with my faith and wondering if it was real. And, um, and, and I do think that that moment when I was 14 was a genuine encounter with the Holy Spirit. Um, but yeah, just throughout high school, I just continued to struggle with knowing was I saved and because I, w- I would mess up, I would sin, and then I would ask for forgiveness, and then I would mess up, and I would sin, and it was just a cycle that I felt was killing my relationship with God. I felt like if I did have a relationship with God, he was very upset with me, and, and I kind of felt like I needed to continue to redeem myself, and so so I was, I was living out of a very uh, works-based view of the gospel, so if I can keep up the good work, God will continue to allow me to be saved, which the true gospel is that Jesus accomplished the work for us. And all we have to do is, is trust him and trust that that's enough. And, um, but I don't think I had a full understanding of that. I do think that I had come to know him and that I was saved, um, quote unquote, but, but I hadn't really come to a true, um, life understanding of, of the gospel. And, um, so at the end of high school, uh, I ended up deciding to go to Grace University in Omaha, Nebraska, um, to pursue a degree in worship ministry. Um, and music is a really big part of my, my life and my story. And, and uh, my family did music for the church that I grew up in. And that's kind of where I learned to play music. And that's where I knew music Um so part of my decision to go into worship ministry was I kind of felt like that's what people expected of me. And then part of it was because I didn't really know what else to do. Um, so not really great motivations. Um, so once again, I so going to Grace University, my freshman year, I kind of entered again into a Christian bubble of sorts. And I continued to be surrounded by Christian thought, Christian teaching taking all sorts of Bible classes, learning how to study the Bible better, going to chapel every morning, uh, being a part of the student worship bands. And uh, as I continue to be surrounded by this, I kind of began to wonder, man, is this it? Like, is this all there is? Um, Just because that's all I had experienced up until that point, and it just continued to be all I knew. And and at the end of my, my freshman year, uh, I started dating someone and uh, it was not a healthy relationship and kind of throughout this relationship and dating experience, my, my mental and emotional health really started to deteriorate. And I don't blame this, this person for any of that. I was, I was not in a healthy place and should not have been dating anyone in, in the first place. Um, so yeah, so that relationship ended early spring of my sophomore year and kind of throughout that time period of, uh, end of freshman year to early spring of sophomore year, I, I started to experience um, anxiety attacks kind of for the first time in my life. And, and really, it started to experience the deterioration of my mental health. And almost every time that I would lead worship at Grace uh, for a chapel or for any other kind of event, uh, I would just become overwhelmed with anxiety, especially in those moments. Um, and there were times when I had to uh, leave the stage to go vomit in the bathroom. Um, weekly, I would be physically ill uh, from my anxiety kind of throughout this time period. And um, and this was nothing short of just exhausting. 
Um, and during this, this can period, I ask yeah. real quick? I'm sorry, Ryan. I don't mean to interrupt you. I just wondered what what do you think kind of changed in this period? Do you think that kind of brought on this additional anxiety? Have you have you been able to kind of pinpoint that? Um, I think it was so the relationship that I was in was was very uh, draining on me mentally and emotionally. I I think this person was was going through a lot of things herself mentally and emotionally and and uh, kind of depended on me uh, for a lot of help and strength in that. Um, and I kind of allowed myself to, to be kind of a, a Jesus figure to her and, and took on a lot of weight that I couldn't carry. Um, and so I think that was what a lot of it was, or at least like the beginning of it kind of was um, just being kind of in, in, a, in a not very healthy relationship mm-hmm. and feeling the weight of that. Um, and then I think also just like, starting to wonder and feel like, am I where I want to be as far as like Christianity and Jesus? I think, I think some of those questions were starting to, to take root in my mind of like, is this all there is? And I think, I think just subconsciously, I knew that I was asking those questions and it scared me because that was my entire world. And so if I was questioning this worldview, what would I have left? And so I think that was, you know, Maybe I didn't recognize it at the time, but I think those questions were starting to form in my mind as well. Um, and I maybe just wasn't ready to address them yet. So I think it was kind of a culmination of some of those things, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you clarifying that. That's a lot That's yeah. a lot to go on in, in one uh, short period of time there, the the relationship and also the worldview, when that, when, the, when especially the worldview, when that starts to kind of crack and, and you've known one thing your whole life, that is that is a lot to, to bear. That's painful. Right. So mm-hmm. I appreciate Absolutely. you, you uh, clarifying that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so, so kind of during that time, you know, just dealing with all of this kind of new just mental health issues and um, – I, I just started to become just really angry because um, I felt like every time I would lead worship, especially doing what I thought God wanted me to do, he would respond by attacking me with anxiety is what it felt like to me. Um, so my, my cynicism, anger, and bitterness continued to grow as my anxiety worsened. And when I thought of God, I thought of someone who had only ever brought me emotional pain and suffering. Um, of asking questions of am I saved and feeling like I'm never doing enough. And this was how I thought of God. It was just like this disappointed person in me. And I just felt like, you know, this he's just constantly punishing me and bringing these hardships in my life. And so I just kind of became fed up just with church, church people, everything that had to do with Christianity. Um, anxiety became coupled with depression over time. Uh, I began to ask just hard questions for the first time in my life. Like, you know, is God real? Is Christianity real? Is the Bible true? Um, is God loving? Um, and if he is, you know, how, how can he allow suffering? And, and so many existential questions. I, I was just trying to kind of figure everything out uh, kind of for the first time where I had, hadn't really questioned things before. Um, and this is where, you know, I, I was entering into my junior year of college at Grace. So this is kind of where I was and going into my junior year. Um, and in October of that year, uh, Grace announced that they would be ceasing academic operations in, uh, the following spring. And uh, in, in that moment, my stomach dropped. Uh, I felt like this was kind of the last straw. 
uh, this really sent me spiraling just into my depression, um, into my confusion. Um, in December I, of that year, I lost 20 pounds. I could not get out of bed for days wow. and nights on end. Um, I didn't know who I was. I was fairly confident that God did not exist. And if he did exist, then I certainly was not someone that he loved. Um, mm. I began to just experience just suicidal thoughts and ideations. Um, and I just, it, it was the darkest time of my life. I could not see an end to it. It was, it was the darkest, the darkest pit. Um, and so that same month I began uh, to take medication. Um, and this helped to kind of begin to maybe clear the fog a little bit in my head allow me to hopefully think a little bit more clearly and and during and throughout all of this i i was abusing alcohol and i was drinking more than i should when i really shouldn't have been drinking at all and uh so one morning uh, i woke up just pretty hungover and i started to think in that moment who have i become like i am becoming a man that i never wanted to be and in that moment, by the pure grace of God, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. Like I actually, like I heard an audible voice and he said my name. He said, Ryan, and it was so loving. The voice was so loving and kind. He said, Ryan, your job is not to have everything figured out, but your job is to simply trust that I do. And in that moment, I just completely broke down. I hit my knees and I began to repent, to confess sin, to surrender, to, to give up my need for complete control and understanding. And in that moment, God, in such a, uh, such a hard to explain way, he, he brought to my mind kind of the arc of my story thus far. In that moment, like he brought to mind every single moment that he had been pursuing me, every single moment that he had been chasing me down, like that even in the hard things, he had been faithfully drawing me to himself the whole time. And I had just been ignoring him and turning the other way. Like he showed me in that moment, there was not a single time where he had not been drawing me to himself. And I was just in that moment, just overwhelmed just with gratitude um and in that moment by god's grace he he gave me just like an inexplainable fresh filling of his holy spirit uh, just a renewed calling and passion for ministry um, and a desire for his word and a newfound desire to build his kingdom rather than my own and man i these questions that i have been asking during this time those questions have not gone away necessarily but in reconnecting with the holy spirit and him uh filling me freshly again like i've come to realize that these questions are okay to have and that doubt is actually an integral part of faith um, but to ultimately place um the outcome of things in god's hands and trust that he is who he says he is even in the darkness so, so that's kind of my story, and uh, I, I'm just thankful for the ways that God has been so faithful to me and, and continue to, to draw me to himself, even, even with and through hard things. So, 
Wow. Wow. That is so, so cool and so powerful. I, I really appreciate you sharing your, your story with us. And a couple of things I want to yeah. say, which is, uh, well, the first is that, um, first of all, I guess I, I really appreciate your vulnerability and sharing everything. I, I, I know that there's uh, a lot of people out there, they don't have your exact story, but there are other people out there that are maybe struggling with some of the same things, some of the same sin or same yeah. uh, questions that, that you have. And, uh, I think it's very, very comforting for people to know that they're not alone. So I, I really, really appreciate you sharing that uh, with us. And yeah. I also really, I think it's really fascinating that um, in that moment, I, I don't remember if, uh, this, I, didn't, I don't think I remember this part of your story, but in that moment, the Holy Spirit reminding you or, or showing you all of the different times that God had been pursuing you uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and you didn't realize it at the time, but kind of a review, a, 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 a recap of that. And uh, just showing you the love that he had and the patience that he had for you uh, throughout all mm -hmm. those experiences and that he never gave up on you, uh, even right. when you were at your, your furthest from him. That is mm -hmm. so cool. And it reminds right. me of um, some of the people that we have on here, just uh, from like uh, uh, some of the people that have like the near-death experiences where God mm. shows them uh, kind of like a life review of different, there, and, I, and there are people that we've had on that uh, talk about like God would, in, in just exactly what we're describing, how God was being patient with them in these moments when they mm -hmm. weren't showing uh, his love towards other people. And uh, right. just, the, just the fact that you you had a similar experience, uh, it's just so, so, so cool. And, and I think really, really interesting. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I love the fact that the, you, you went from uh, kind of, because I, again, I see this so much too. Uh, you went from kind of a, a quote relationship with God where it was almost like based off of more, maybe like the fear of, of maybe hell or not doing yeah. things right to uh, right. a really dark moment where God is so good at, at meeting us at those moments because he knows that we have nowhere else to turn to. And then from there, mm -hmm. your relationship is really completely different than, than it used to be. It sounds like, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I feel like turning from kind of this this feeling of I have to perform and like continue to to do everything I can to appease him rather than realizing that Jesus has already done that and like actually trusting that um, that that's enough, you know. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that because I think that that is something that uh, maybe a lot of people that are on the outside looking in at Christianity kind of view uh, Christians as as people that or Christianity as something where you have to be perfect at all all times. You have to follow the law at all times. You have to do everything the exact, you know, dot, dot your I's, cross your T's every time. And while obviously it's, you know, it's it, it, God wants us to to uh, obey him. Um, no one is perfect and God understands right. that in, in any relationship, um, there's going to be times when, and when, uh, a person stumbles in this, in this particular example, that's our relationship with God. We stumble in that relationship, but he's so loving and caring for us. He, for, he forgives us and he gives us another opportunity. Um, and, yeah. uh, it, 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 uh, it also makes me think too, just in that relationship, how you talked about you don't have all the, you don't have all the questions answered and that's okay. That's another part of the relationship. You're, you, you trust there's faith there mm -hmm. in that relationship right, um, right. because it's just like a, a, a relationship with another person. You're not going to have, you're not going to be able to, you know, be with them, you know, 24 seven. You're not going to have everything uh, figured out. There's gotta be some kind of a trust there. And it's the same thing mm -hmm. with our creator. So um, I, right, I think absolutely. that is so cool. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, Ryan, uh, I, I really, again, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to, to share your story with us. And uh, yeah. I, I, I praise God for uh, what he's been able to do in your life. And uh, I love uh, just the, the gift that you have. You mentioned a little bit there in, in worship. Uh, it, it, there's no doubt in my mind, like anytime I've seen you uh, in, in a worship setting, there is a God-given gift there. And it's just uh, incredible to see play out. And, uh, and I'm just you. thankful to... Yeah, yeah, I'm thankful that um, I have you in my uh, our. It's it's called City Group, but it's like our small group here in uh, in yeah. Omaha. So uh, it's just been Absolutely. a pleasure getting to know you here over the last year and a half, and I look forward to continuing to get to know you. So yeah, thank man. you. Same same here, man. Yep. Well, I have my friend Marcus on with us today to tell us his suspected encounter with a demon. Marcus, thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. So what happened? Um, okay. So there, I'm gonna give a little context. So, uh, I was living with my ex and she had started getting to like those life rocks or energy rocks or whatever. And she had kind of like, like a little setup, like a little, I don't know. I, I don't want to say like a cathedral or something, but like a little, uh, spot for it all. And, um, she had, uh, someone close to their family pass away in a car accident. And so she had went to the wake and had gotten one of the, uh, like the little flyer things that they give out to everybody. And she had put that on the stand with all the, uh, with all the rocks and I'm sitting in the room. I think I was just playing PlayStation or something. And um, we, it was by myself. And um, I was asked to light an incense. Um, it was kind of normal for her to light incense. So I didn't think anything of it. And usually where she left the incense holder, was next to um, the lamp, which had the picture, which had all of her energy rocks. Um, after I lit the incense, I had sat down, um, went back to what I was doing, and I could hear someone talking. Um, at first, I thought it was, you know, the TV or someone else in the house, but it, but it was like talking to me as if when I reacted to hearing something, it said something again. I couldn't make it make out at first what, what it was saying. Um, now, at the time, me and my ex were going through uh, our, our relationship issues, and I could hear something along the lines of, you don't belong here, you, you need to leave, etc. Well, I didn't think of anything about it. Um, I just kind of ignored it. Uh, it went on for about 10 minutes until I really acknowledged it. And I basically looked over to where I heard this talking and I chuckled. I laughed, you know, um, and I think it kind of, you know, upset whatever it was um now to to back up a little bit 
when I lit this incense that I was given or I was asked to light, um, I looked at the, the picture of the girl who had passed away. And as you may know, I grew up Catholic, Baptist and all that. Well, I've always, you know, shown respect to um, the fallen and everything. And I gave them the, the Holy Cross and everything. And I said a little blessing to it. And that's kind of when everything started to happen. Um, so after about 10, 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes of this, and I acknowledged it, you know, I looked over to where I lit this incense and magically this incense is gone or it wasn't where I placed it. Uh Um, It, it worried me. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking it fell like I'm thinking normally it fell and it's burning a hole in the carpet. So I'm moving the stand, I'm moving the table, I'm moving everything and it's not there. Um, It was really, it was really confusing. Um, You know, I, I, and I really thought to myself, maybe you didn't light this, this incense. Um, but, you know, thinking back, like I for sure did. Um, so I decided to light another one. And for some reason, when I go to light the second incense, it would not light. I had the, the flame on it for a minute, you know, and the incense would not light. And that's when I heard this voice again, basically saying I need to leave. And I could feel, I could feel whatever it was. I could feel it talking to me. I can hear it. I could feel it. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't personally, I, I didn't feel like I was in any danger. So I didn't, um, I didn't feel like I, I needed to leave the the room so i went back to what i was doing um i would say a couple minutes later something had fell had fallen off the dresser and i was like all right you win i'm not gonna fight with you so i turned off you know what i was doing um and i i left the room i went and told my ex what happened and she kind of brushed off as if it was nothing or I was going crazy. And I was like, Hey, can you help me at least find the, the incense that I lit? Cause I don't want there to be a, a burn mark in the carpet and, you know, have that repercussion down the line. Um, she came up there. We looked again for it. We still couldn't find it. So there's a missing incense somewhere, but I don't know where it's at. Wow. Did, did anything like this ever happen with her? Not that she ever told me. Um, but she had just recently got into these energy stones. Um, and I mean, again, it was during the end of our relationship, but there was a lot of bad energy in the house. Um, so I kind of just felt like my uneasiness was contributed to our our relationship issues. Mm-hmm. But um, but with that incident, I uh, I definitely 
you know, it made me rethink what was really going on, um, things like that. And, and, and I don't know, uh, what it could have been. Um, the, uh, the person that had passed away that she had the, the picture of, um, she passed away in a, in an unfortunate car accident. And I think she was early twenties. So it was a very, it was kind of a tragic, uh, passing, uh, she left some kids. So, you know, I don't know if, um, if everything, um, kind of happened because of that, you know, per se, or it was just a manifestation of all the bad energy that was in that house. Um, but, I, uh, I, I did leave, um, did move out thereafter, uh, not that long after. So, um, now I haven't had anything like that happen since. So, mm -hmm. um, there's not much like that I can contribute or think of, um, contributing to something like that happening. And you know, for sure you heard an audible voice. I, I, I had at, at one point. Uh, I want to say the the second time after I tried to relight the the second incense, there was no audio coming from the television. Um, I heard a I heard a voice. I it, I didn't. It wasn't recognizable. Anyone that I knew, it wasn't anyone that was in the house at the time. Um, and I and I'm fairly confident, mostly if not everyone was downstairs as I was upstairs. So. Um, it was it was very um, a very deep um, bad intent intention sounding, um, and the kids that were in the house sounded nothing like it. Um, I couldn't tell if it was male or female, but it didn't sound it, it didn't sound coming from an actual vocal cord. I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. So this sounds like it furthered your belief in the fact that there's more to life than just the physical world. Oh yeah. It, it, it definitely, um, um, solidified my, my belief that, um, there's more than just, um, physical life. Uh, I am a believer in God. So, you know, it just definitely reinferred, uh, or re, uh, re-strengthened my, my belief that, you know, there's, there's something after this. Yeah. And I think that you're onto something when you were talking about earlier that maybe what was going on in your relationship was attracting what it was because a lot of times, especially with, with demons, they are attracted to that negative energy and that can manifest itself in the way that you were talking about, like from a relationship struggles, it can, it can manifest itself like in addictions or uh, depression. Uh, it, it really is like they, they're energy suckers and they feed off of that type of thing. So I, I, Personally, I think you're probably very uh, much onto something with that explanation. Um, and I think it's just so interesting that the incense disappeared as well. I mean, that that really furthers, uh, it, leads, it lends more credence to what happened. Yeah, it, it, it was, it, that was the oddest part about the whole situation was um, knowing that you did something and for that to just disappear. I mean, I like I said, I expected it to have, you know, fallen on the floor, maybe fallen under the table or, or under the dresser or whatever it may have been, but it was just gone. And 
that doesn't happen. <laughs> that does yeah. that doesn't happen. not not every day. Yeah. Huh. Well, um, any other encounters that you've had since then, or that's been the only one? Since then, no. Um, now I'm not so, so like the time that I still was in the house. The uh, you know the energy was always never never released. I would say like um, from then after that, you know, I could still feel that unwanting uh feeling every time i was there until i actually did move mm. um and, and being, yeah being out of that house has made me feel a lot better i was i was really depressed living there um you know i uh i you know things weren't very good in um the relationship and it made me it made me drink a lot more it made me um just not want to be home you know i would sit in my car just not wanting to go inside. So um, mm -hmm. I definitely have uh, uh, have felt a lot better being out of that house and out of that situation. Absolutely. Well, I'm thankful that you're out of that situation as well. And um, I just think that's fascinating as well, that after that incident, it was as if the energy of the house never really went back to, to normal. That's, that's, that's another fascinating yeah. part of the story. Yeah. Well, Marcus, I really appreciate you coming on and, uh, means a lot to me that, uh, you know, I've, I've known Marcus for <laughs> 20, like 20 years now. So, um, it's awesome. It, it, it's so interesting when you actually have met the other person, uh, <laughs> alive in the flesh before it makes it, it makes it just a little bit more personable. And, and, uh, I just really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. No, yeah, I appreciate you. I, I, I really like what you're doing. I really like the channel. Um, I haven't missed an episode yet. So um, I keep doing what you're doing. I support you all the way. Um, and uh, hopefully uh, if something happens, I'll be able to come back on and, and tell that story. I would love that. Well, and I appreciate the kind words. I'll talk to Absolutely. you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's my, my pleasure, Alex. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for, for being here. It's my honor. Um, so you have a miraculous testimony and uh, a really beautiful tie-in to C.S. Lewis. And I don't want to give too much of it, of it away. So please tell us your story and uh, how you found your relationship with God. Yeah. Um, so my story, I guess first and foremost, I don't like to think of it as my story. I like to think of it more as his Um just because I am really, really good at messing things up. You know, just like going where I want to go and what I think I need and do. And, you know, most of the time that doesn't really work out too well. Um, but God and his grace is amazing at using some of the things that seem the most significant and some of the things that seem the absolute most insignificant to just, um, you know, just to continue his work. And so that's, I don't know, that, that's what I love about, you know, being a follower of Christ is that it's just, it's actually not about me because when it's about me, um, it gets messy and not like in a messy good way. So um, I don't know. With that, I like to think of my testimony, um, if there's like 
a thesis statement in my story, I would say that is probably that nothing is wasted. Hmm. Um, so I was very, very blessed to be born into a, a Christian home. Um, you know, grew up going to church and both sides of my family. Um, faith is very important and that's been, you know, amazing and, and really uh, a blessing and an amazing legacy too. Um, to just, you know, have people of like immense faith within my family. But there's also like the downside of that is that it's really easy to take these things for granted and to be like, oh yeah, that's, you know, um, we go to church, we do the things and that's, that's just kind of what we do. This is the lingo we speak and it makes it seem kind of trite sometimes. Um, so growing up, going to church, um, you know, prayed before every meal, all of that. And uh, things drastically changed with within my life um, at the age of five. So when I was five, um, my uh, mom, brother, sister, and I were in a a head-on car accident with a guy that actually rented a house from us and he died um and you know i remember being told after the fact that the fact that we we all lived was you know miraculous and you know when you're five you really don't know what it means for for something to be miraculous you're just like what um so that that definitely changed things um, in my family and kind of in my life because we went from being your typical, this is us, family to my mom had a traumatic head injury, um, went from being able to work to, you know, being a stay-at-home mom, um, struggling a lot with anxiety, depression, um, and it just, it, everything, everything changed. So um, that was kind of the first big thing where I was like, well, what's going on here? Um, and I have some very vivid memories of, you know, being pretty little, like kindergarten and going to wake my mom up and being like, hey, you got to get up and help me get ready for school, you know? And mm -hmm. my mom being like, yeah, actually, um, Mommy's too sad to get up, and uh, mommy's probably going to go meet Jesus today. Um, and then, you know, talking with my mom and saying, you know, hey, actually, you can't die today because we need you. And, you know, talking my mom out of suicide, basically, um, wow. pretty regularly. So... That was, it was really heavy. Um, and, you know, my dad was working full time, trying to make sure that we're taken care of and um, was very angry with a lot of things, which makes sense. And so I, I felt very kind of abandoned and alone. Mm -hmm. Um, because it was it was really rough and 
know, while I can understand the things that my dad was working through and dealing with as a little kid, I wanted somebody to hold me and tell me things were going to be all right or to, you know, uh, show up and check in a little more than, than he was able to. So it was, it was earth shattering. Sure. Um, and so, you know, that's, I can remember during that time really starting to kind of take refuge in the fact that my family went to church a lot because that was where I got some of those other needs met where um, there were some really amazing people in my church that took my family under their wing and, you know, let me know that they cared about us. And um, that care was monumental. Um, so anyway, grew up, you know, Wednesday night church, Sunday church, all the things. Um, I can remember praying the prayer with my mom after, um, going to our Wednesday night Awana group because I very much did not want to go to hell. That sounded very scary to me. Um, so I fondly refer to this as praying for fire insurance because I, I didn't really get a whole lot of it, but I'm not sure how much of that you can get when you're, you know, seven, eight. Um, but so, you know, I prayed the prayer. My mom and I got baptized. I was excited about that. I thought that was cool. And then just kind of kept doing my own thing. And my concept of grace was mm, non-existent probably. <laughs> so, I mean, I was like, oh, I, I did something wrong. I, you know, have to get saved again. And, you know, um, if, if I wasn't feeling good or feeling like I, um, you know, was good enough, which was most of the time, I, I was pretty sure that I wasn't, you know, in God's good books. Hmm. Um, and so that was, that was really a tough time because with everything that was happening in my family life and just kind of the responsibilities that I was trying to take on, um, it meant that I, you know, I really struggled with depression a lot. Um, probably from upper elementary and just kind of, you know, the whole, who am I, what am I doing kind of thing was, was really difficult. And so it was really, my lack of understanding of grace really was a little bit more of a, um, unfortunate thing because it kind of underlined my, my low self-esteem, my me thinking that, you know, I, I wasn't worthy of care mm -hmm. um, because I felt like I was responsible to kind of hold my family together, hold my friend group together, make things nice, do what you can, you know. Um, so that just was a very obvious transition into my walk with God. And so if I didn't feel like I could be good enough um, then I wasn't good period. Um, 
So that was really, that was really not fun. <laughs> that's that's yeah, to put it. That's mildly. a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. I mean, and we're talking about like, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13. Yeah. Know, when, when people feel really comfortable in who they are anyway, right? Right. right. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I remember my seventh grade year going to Bible camp and I'd gone to Bible camp many, many times before and, you know, got saved every single time. <laughs> mm. um, but I remember going and there were these two girls because I had decided before camp that maybe the reason that I always felt not so great after camp was that I was going and I was being too selfish and I was focusing on me and having this mountaintop experience. So I decided that going to camp this time, my goal was that I was going to get somebody saved. That, you know, because we can just pick someone and be like, boom, we're going to do that. Um, I was such an interesting child. <laughs> so I, that, was, that was my goal going into camp. Um, and there were two girls in my cabin who were very much obsessed with this lifeguard um, that worked at camp. And my cabin leader actually knew the lifeguard and we weren't sure if they were saved. So she decided to ask him to give his testimony for one of um, our, our devotion times. And so I, I go into this and I'm like sitting in the back next to my cabin leader and I'm like, yeah, we're going to get these guys saved and all of this. And the lifeguard, his name was Zach. Um, he, he had been through a lot of stuff and he told his testimony in a way that really rocked my world. And it rocked my world because it, it was him sharing about the way, you know, his sin and the things that he had done to try to fill that void, to try to escape not being good enough, um, really impacted him. And he just talked about, you know, basically drugs, sex, rock and roll, and how nothing nothing filled that void and that was how he ended up coming to Jesus and how his mom had just continually been praying for him. And we got to the end and he asked if anybody had any questions and, you know, the two girls that, you know, we're hoping are going to get saved um, are like starry eyed staring at him like moonstruck. And I'm sitting in the back and I raised my hand and he's like, yeah, you know, Lisa, what, what's your question? And Alex, I just started to bawl. Like I am sobbing and sobbing. And my counselor's like, what's going on? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so I'm like, what would you tell someone who feels the exact same way that you felt through all of that? And um, we had a really, really long conversation about God's grace and not having to be enough 
not having to put on a good front and being able to be broken and messed up people and that, you know, God wants us not, not just in spite of that, but, you know, he sent his son to die for a chance, for just a chance to know us and to have us be in relationship with us, with, with him. And that just blew my mind. And so, um, that's really when I think back to of when I really started to understand um, what faith was and what, you know, what understanding the gospel was. And is it wasn't just that, you know, Christ died and came, you know, came to earth as a man to, you know, live a sinless life and pay for my sin. But, and, you know, if I believe in him, then I can go to heaven. Like, those are the basics I think we all get, but that there's so much more to that relationship and that I didn't have to magically be perfect um, after praying a prayer or, you know, recognizing that, yeah, I, I, I do a lot of different stuff that isn't good, right? I mean, by this time in my life, I was suicidal off and on into self-harm, some other really addictive stuff. And um, I was like, yep, yeah, I'm pretty much, pretty much screwed. This is just not, you know, I can't fix this. <laughs> and then to get the like, hey, you don't have to, was just, mind-blowing you know yeah that's a that's a lot of weight off your shoulders yeah so um i after that i went into um went into things looking at them a lot differently um i would love to say that you know then all of a sudden I didn't have all of these tendencies to try to take on more responsibility than I needed to and, you know, no longer struggled with depression or addiction or anything else and that would not be real. Um, so I had this great and exciting new understanding of the fact that I didn't have to make everything fit and I didn't have to... Um, you know, I didn't have to be enough. And, you know, then I went back home where my mom was still depressed and suicidal and I didn't know what I was doing most of the time. And it was rough, but I felt like there was way more hope. And I, I started to see how even the things that had been difficult for me, you know, um, my understanding that I did not have to be perfect, my understanding that, that God's grace is sufficient and his love is huge and honestly unfathomable, um, really helped me to be able to talk to 
the people that I did care about and be like, hey, maybe we're going about this the wrong way. And how do we, how do we keep going? You know, how do we work to see the truth in spite of, you know, all the lies that we've bought into and all the things that we've kind of held for so long is like, this is who I am. This is what I have to be. Um, so that was a really cool and exciting time um, around my eighth grade year. Um, throughout high school and stuff, kind of just more of the same. I, I went to boarding school, so that was a little different and interesting. Um, but my, the summer before my junior year, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And that was, that was really, really rough. And, um, in that, again, I learned about, you know, um, a lot about God's faithfulness and about people caring about me, even when I didn't feel like I deserved it, didn't think that. And, um, Then my dad died uh, on Christmas Eve of my senior year. I'm really sorry about that. And thank you. Yeah, it was it was really hard because it he was actually cancer free. We, uh, you know, he we thought he was going to recover from his last round of chemo and kind of be good to go. Um, and so that was gut-wrenching and really really hard um but again it's been something that after the fact with that i have been able to sit with so many people who have lost people that they have loved and and just be with them I can't make it better. I can't make the pain go away. But kind of just understanding what an honor it is to just get to sit with someone in their grief is, um, it's really humbling. And, you know, so then again, it's just like, okay, you know, um, And so in, in all the things that I went through, um, and this is obviously Cliff Notes version, because um, life is long and we don't have hours, and that would probably not be good. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, I am a an auntie of eight, which I absolutely love. And there's something really, really fun about getting to be the single aunt because it means you can just do weird, crazy stuff and, you know, love on, love on those kiddos like none other. And it's been neat to see how God has used some of the things that I have gone through to be able to speak to them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, working as a therapist, again, I think that that's again just 
God's provision and allowing me to use some of the experiences that I have had to just continue and, and care for others. Um, so you, you did mention the C.S. Lewis connection. Um, C.S. Lewis is one of my absolute most favorite authors. And, um, I literally listened to the Chronicles of Narnia, um, probably twice a year minimum um, <laughs> i actually listened through them uh twice recently um mm. because there's something about those books just in general and um kind of the picture of god that we get through um c.s lewis's portrayal of aslan and just his care and you know he he seems like this big scary lion um you know on the whole is he safe of course he's not safe but he's good and there's something that just really connects in my soul with that um it's funny the reason that i actually listened to them twice recently is Two weeks ago, I had someone break into my house while I was home, and uh, wow. it was terrifying. I yeah. thankfully my my alarm scared them off after they let someone in through the backyard back door, but um, very much shook me up sure. because you know it's, it's my house. Yeah, <laughs> I live here. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy you're okay. Yeah, That's thank crazy. you. Me too. <laughs> I was. Um, yeah, it was it was very scary. But so it's just like in those times where I feel like I'm the most like on edge and you know feel very out of control, very violated when someone breaks into your home. Yeah. Um, and so I went to listening to the Chronicles of Narnia because that kind of reminds me that God is a lot bigger than I am, and He's in control, and He sees this stuff. And, you know, he, he cares. It's not just, uh, yep, I'm, I'm out here somewhere, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the reason that I started, first started going to those books to kind of remind me of that um, was when I was a junior in college, um, my brother was diagnosed with a very rare type of cancer called blue cell um, myeloma. And um, my, my junior year of college, he finished this very, very intensive chemo. And we were all really, you know, excited. And um, a month later, they did a scan to see kind of where things were at and his tumors were back and um, growing very aggressively. And in all of the things that I had experienced in my life from the fallout of our car accident to depression being bullied as a kid, you know, losing my dad, you don't think I ever really questioned if God was good. 
And in that moment with, you know, my brother being the father of two beautiful kids and just being a godly man and knowing that this was probably going to be his death sentence, um, it just felt like something inside me broke. And they called a friend, a mentor, and I was just like, I don't, I don't know what to do anymore. Because I believe, I'm not sure what I believe. I, I was tempted to just believe that God didn't exist and that it was all a farce and that, you know, it, the world was just cruel and unkind and nobody cared. But um, there were too many things that didn't make sense if that was the case. And so the idea of abandoning my faith in the midst of hurting so much and just being scared about losing my brother and all of these things also kind of made me angry because, you know, I'm wanting to kind of make this really emotional decision and then my logic brain is kicking in and I'm like, okay, but then, you know, okay, if we're going to do this, what does that mean for everything else? You're at a Bible school, <laughs> you know, like there's just like all these impacts into how I have lived my life and the things that have kind of kept me going. Mm. And so I was like, I, well, if I had my brothers right now, I would walk away from my faith. But I can't because my faith is the only thing that has made sense in these, you know, 23 years of existence. So I don't know what to do. Um, and so I was talking with my mentor, Steve, and he said, you should read A Horse and His Boy by C.S. Lewis. And I was like, Steve, I need to study for finals. I, like, why... Why? And he goes, read it. So I did. And I was supposed to be studying for finals and all of this. And I I did a little, I think. But overall, not really. And I remember reading. And I was like, okay, cute story. Whatever. Like, why? Why is Steve having me read this, basically? And towards the end of the story, um, the main character is um, lost. He's just warned um, the the king of Arkenland that there are there's a surprise attack coming, and everybody else is safe and gonna be okay. And he's on a pony that he doesn't know how to get any use out of it, wandering through through a mountain pass. And the book picks up basically with him crying and feeling sorry for himself. And he says out loud, I am the most unfortunate boy ever. And then... This voice answers him. 
and says, tell me your misfortunes. And so after verifying that he's not talking to a ghost, um, he starts to tell this large voice about how he was chased by lions when he and his horse were you know, on their journey and then how he got separated from his group and that was terrifying. And then he, he got chased by lions again recently. And, you know, he ran and ran after this exhausting journey to, to warn the king and these invaders. And, and now he's on his own and how, you know, he just learned also that his, the person that he grew up with thinking was his dad, who, you know, wasn't actually a really nice guy, wasn't his father. And, you know, there's just so much stuff. And the voice replies, I do not call you unfortunate. And Shasta, the boy, says, well, don't you think it was the least unlucky running into so many lions? And he responds, it was, there was only one lion. He goes, no, I told you there was at least two the first night. He goes, no, there was only one lion. He was just swift afoot. And then Chasta asks, who are you? And Aslan answers, I am the lion that chased you so that you would meet up with Erevis and have a traveling companion. I am the lion that chased you so that the horses would have enough strength so that you could get to the king on time. And I am the lion who you do not remember that pushed the boat that carried you to a man who was wakeful at midnight. And at that point in reading that book, um, I literally threw the book across the room. <laughs> I was, I all of a sudden understood why Steve wanted me to read it and hated him for it a little bit. <laughs> um, and to this day, I am exceedingly grateful that he had me read it because just that passage, you know, there are so many things that we do not see, that we are incapable of fathoming. And yet, I believe that God works in all things. And I think that, you know, sometimes we, we misuse and we misquote you know, Romans eight sixteen. And I'm like, oh well God works in all things, you know, so so this is gonna be it's gonna be good. And it's not that all things are good. Because all things aren't good. There are awful difficult terrible things that happen. And I have made some amazingly stupid choices i mean we could do if you ever like need a comedy episode alex <laughs> where we just talk about stupid choices people have made 
Um, feel free to make a note to call me back. I, <laughs> I, I got you. Okay. Well, that's that's good to hear because I'm right there with you. So maybe we could get a two-parter out of that. There we go. Yeah, it'd be good. Um, <laughs> you know, the things that we think are smart when we are in sad, hard places are unfortunate. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, the fact that, so it's not that all things are good, but it's that God can use all of those things for good, for our good and for his glory. And I think that is just the most amazing thing because sometimes stuff is just really hard and, and crappy and there's no, there's no sugarcoating that, you know? Um, but I just love the fact that in all of those things and all of our experiences, right? Like, they're not wasted. And so when you take the extra time to say a kind word to somebody or or let someone know that you care, it's it's these small things that might seem insignificant that are are life-changing to other people. And um I think it's just really beautiful how God can use our pain, self-inflicted or otherwise, and um, help uh, not only us, but ourselves and others to kind of know who he is and what he desires for us and the beauty of life out of the darkness. Well, that was absolutely beautiful, and um, you know, if I I know I needed to hear that, so I'm sure that there's many other people out there that needed to hear it as well. Um, and I think it you you hit the nail on the head when you say that you know it's not that everything is good, but God is able to turn you know our pain into uh, these miraculous moments where we realize that He's there and He's there's still there's still that plan. Uh, yeah. even when it, we can't make sense of it with our human, our human mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing too, is that, you know, so, so much of the time, I think, especially on this podcast, we focus on maybe the really far out there, supernatural events that happen to people, things like, you know, near death experiences, demonic encounters. And, you know, while those things are very dramatic and, uh, certainly do happen. Um, I think more people out there are probably going to be more in line with, with your experiences. It's not always going to be these, you know, experiences like Paul had, for example, where, you know, you get knocked off your horse by a blinding light. A lot, most people are going to have the experiences that you have a little bit more subtle. Um, you know, these, these traumatic, really painful experiences, I think in life where God can really, he, he comes down and, and meets us where we're at. And, and I think that and those are the times where it seems like I, I've seemed to notice that people are the most receptive to God and, and who he is and his truth. Yeah. Um, and he, and I think he knows that he's very patient and he, he, in his perfect timing, uh, is able to reach out to us in those moments. So, um, yeah, I, I, I certainly relate to, to a lot of what you shared with us. And I know that for many people, just as it was for myself, is going to bring a lot of comfort. So I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, it's only my pleasure. It, yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. You are so, so welcome.
That's the show for this week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you had a great holiday season. It's great to be back. Uh, If you have a short testimony like any of the three guests that we had on today, I'd love to hear from you. It doesn't have to be, you know, some of the longer testimonies that we've showcased on the podcast so far. It can be, you know, 10, 15 minutes as well. And uh, if we get enough of those, we can put together another episode like this. Uh, So that is going to be at spiritanswerspodcast.gmail.com where you can reach out. And uh, thank you so much for sharing the podcast with somebody and for rating and reviewing us and subscribing. And I really appreciate all that you do to support us. I will see you all next week. Have a great week, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.